Welcome to episode 711 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 711 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. I managed to turn up late with our social distancing doing this uh, doing this via Skype, and I still managed to turn up late. Oh, you weren't too bad, mate. The, ki- you, the kids are home. <laughs> Got to say, most podcasts right now who record together haven't done the Skype thing before, so a lot of the, or, or like at least not being together thing, um, and a lot of the podcasts I listen to are trying to really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we're professional. Oh, we're pro, mate, I tell you. Uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our awesome, amazing patrons. And they're pretty important right now for us. So let's name a few, Jombo. Glenn Slammon Newbold. We've got Robert Spine Tingler Green. And Damien, the $100 Bill Bennett. And this week's show, guys, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic. John, I've actually got a maybe another question we can chuck in there. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, then uh, uh, John's history lesson. Going on a walk down memory lane. I am. So I, I was thinking yesterday of a few things that I can bring back during this period, which will be uh, very quiet news. And, uh, and yeah, just some of my memories as, as, as I went through my – Bloody hell, I started in 1991. Um, just things that sort of pop out of my mind thing. That was a really, what well, I thought at the time was a really significant moment. And uh, sometimes they turned out to be, sometimes they didn't. Okay, then we also have Dr. Greg Wells, an interview with Dr. Greg Wells. He's the author of a book. He was actually, we were trying to get him on the show around his books that he brought out. Uh, but then we end up talking pretty deeply about how to manage this moment. He's a guy who's a health and performance expert. He's written quite a few books, um, really knows his stuff. And I sat down from a couple of days ago and had an interview. And it was just a really great interview about managing this time. Because let's be honest, we're all pretty stressed right now. It's a pretty horrible time in the world right now. And so it's, it was just a really cool talk for this moment of time. So we're going to put that on later in the show. And then you're doing two minutes of research, John. We are indeed. Uh, so good old Richard Swan sent this through a couple of weeks ago. And again, a little bit of a walk down uh, memory lane and some some fun results he managed to find. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, John, this week's show, we're into it. Let's get into it news. So the big news that's happened, well, it hasn't been a huge amount of news and it's not going to be a huge amount of news over the next period of time. Probably the main thing will be race cancellations. And the biggest race that has been cancelled is the Collins Cup, is the next one that was, we're all looking forward to. It's been called off for this year. They're saying it's a shame, but they are having a positive kind of tilt on it, saying it gives us more time to prepare to make it better moving forward. Yeah, and look, I... I think we were all a little bit nervous about the Collins Cup. I was thinking, oh, have they given themselves enough time to really make this awesome? It it was building nicely. Um, So in some ways it might be kind of good that they've got a whole other year to prepare. Um, Now, last I heard that they were still looking at holding the championship or the local organisers were, which is um, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. They're they're dreaming. It's uh, scheduled for the 31st of May. Um, And the cool thing is the... 
year-end bonus, which we announced a few weeks ago. So there was going to be $2 million paid out to any pro athletes uh, that are ranked in the top 100 of the PTO rankings. Uh, and what they've done is not only are they paying that out now, because pros are obviously going to be struggling like hell, they're actually increased it by $500,000. So it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it means some pros will have some money in their pocket to try to get through this period. Uh, and I just sort of it was uh, something pretty amazing. It was, it was always going to happen in terms of the money coming out, which I still thought was awesome. But to pay it out now was was a brilliant move. So in terms of um, how it's going to be paid out, they are the highest. Uh, where we go here? If you're a male or female ranked in the top 100, either as either as at the 1st of January 2020 or March 15th 2020, you'll be paid a minimum of $5,000. Um, that's the same as, for example, winning Ironman Lanzarote. Uh, so if you're ranked 21st through to 50th on the ranks, rankings, you'll be paid $8,000, and that's the same as winning a, a, like a 70.3 or something like that. Uh, and if you're ranked outside of that, there's still going to be a good payday for, for pretty much all the athletes. So the, the extra $500,000 is not going to the top ranked athletes. It's going for those ranked further down the uh, further down the chain. So hopefully this creates some really good loyalty to the PTO and for all those athletes in the top 100, whether or not they were going to make the Collins Cup or not, um, sort of get in behind this organisation and, and uh, hopefully they... they Come, come out of it really strong. I'm just kind of curious, you know, obviously they've got a big backer. Um, someone sent me through, I think it was um, Peter Colson sent me through saying how the backer's worth like 3.7 billion, so like 2.5 mil to, you know, to this guy's probably not a huge amount of money. Um, hopefully he's in it for the long term. Now, it sounds like he is. It was interesting. I was just, while we were doing, the, I was doing the prep today for the show, I thought I'd check out what's happening to the uh, share price. So the Wonder Sports Group, uh, Group Company Limited, which is WSG, uh, they came out about early this year, didn't they? It was mm -hmm. July. So since July, when they opened, they opened around about $4.83. Uh, they sat around that, they kind of dipped and then we came back up. Then they were dipping all year. And then a couple months ago, remember there was that talk of buyout? So mm -hmm. it shoot it back up, it shot back up to where basically where they opened in the market, which is back to four seventy nine. As of yesterday, one fifty three. Mm. Share price. So it'd be really interesting because their market cap currently is at $213 million. So, mm. you know, the PTO really wants to buy Ironman, don't they? That's been, they've been pushing mm. pretty hard. I wonder if this is a really opportune market, um, opportune time for them based on what's happening in the market right now. Obviously, it's, it's a pretty bloody bullish time in the market or bearish time, isn't it? Bears to be able to a pretty bearish time in the market. So, I'd just be curious to see if they're going to use this moment to actually try to make a move. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but uh, yeah. You know more about all that sort of stuff? Well, admittedly, I don't. I'm, not, I'm not, not that good on individual companies, but I do know if it's dropped in share price by over half, almost two-thirds in the last month, if, you, if you're sitting on some cash and you want to buy this company, it seems like now would be time to put an offer in, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, Inter so. Interesting. Yeah. It's sticking with positive news um, because we could be negative all bloody show about things. Uh, but Ironman have launched uh, or are about have announced they're going to launch a new virtual racing series, um, which sounds really interesting to me. There's very little details on it at the moment. Essentially, Andrew Messick got on there and sort of did uh, did a spiel about um, they're going to be launching it. Um, what I took out of it was, you know. Um, 
you can upload your files so you can go and do your swim we none of us can really swim any at the moment i suppose i suppose you can go and do open water swimming um but pretty much pools seem to be closed everywhere you have your bike files and your run files and you can upload them so that sounded like one angle they were going down which isn't really that interactive it's kind of that's just like strawberry sort of stuff but then i wonder if if they do go down the path and i'm sure this is they'll be the heading is to actually have virtual racing which i think could potentially be quite cool it's really easy to get cynical about all the stuff and there's going to be ways you can cheat and there's ways you can cheat anyway um in terms of boost you know um boosting your data and hacking your data and all that sort of stuff but um so i've started playing around with uh, various different apps in terms of inside training so i I try pretty much all of them ruby has been the one that i've tried um most recently which a number of you guys will have checked out but the cool thing with ruby and how it differs from say zwift and a few of the others is you're actually riding on a course and there's actually video footage of where you're riding so for example i can go and ride on the challenge roth course and you're riding along and you're looking around going this is exactly what it's like on the on the course because this this is is a video um, and I rode like the New York Triathlon and you're riding past people and all that stuff. It's really funky and if they went down that path where you actually say right we're going to have a, a championship race here or we're going to have a race and you go and ride on the course. Now you might not necessarily ride at the same time. You may do, but if they said right this weekend is going to be. Um, Taupo 70.3 and it starts at 7 o'clock and everybody can get onto the app at a particular time and then you can go and ride it. That would be kind of cool and it would have a racing element to it. Of course it's not like the real thing but uh, yeah, I think it's got some some legs and uh, I'm going to be really interested to see where it goes. Just just regards to, um, well just on that before we move on, I'd be interested to see how many people watch because on the news over the last couple of nights in New Zealand they've been talking about how they've been having the virtual car races and stuff like that and um, I have to say the graphics are pretty amazing, but I'm not sure if I actually really, really want to watch it. But you know, I'm not a, I'm not a consumer of esports. I wonder if it is actually drawing an audience. Oh, massive! But but what, what from me from a consumer point of view, not necessarily doing it. If they were somehow able to do it right, and say you had for the pro racing, say you had top 100 pros all doing this uh, they're not going to be doing anything else so why don't they yeah. they don't have to travel anywhere but if they had them all on whatever platform it's going to be which might be an ironman platform it might be ruby might be zwift whatever it was and you had them being able to have the facility to maybe facebook live from that and they could bring people in uh, and you could watch joe skipper riding in his lounge and you could go across to lionel sanders and and then you go across to daniela reef or whatever it could be quite cool. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'd be sitting there watching it for eight hours, but uh, I think it could be quite funky. And so there's lots and lots of potential, but who knows where they might take it. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's um, fascinating. Just, just on a discussion of the bigger picture right now, you know, we're getting all these emails saying races are postponed. You know, mm-hmm. they're not, not cancelling races. And, and I don't know if you've communicated with many athletes around what communication they're saying around the entry fee and all that. Have you had much communication with athletes around that stuff? No, I think it's just nobody quite knows what's going on at the moment. The, the, the thing is, if you pretty much whenever you enter a race, the terms and conditions are going to be there's no refunds. And if the race gets cancelled, there's not going to be uh, any refunds. And what I think you'll see is what most uh, organisers where they can is they'll postpone it um, and roll entries into the postponed event. That's, that saves uh, doing all the refunds. So, of course, 
you guys will hopefully know that you know with events there's a lot of upfront costs and a lot of the cost is incurred before the event happens so it's one way for the organizers to not do all the refunds and uh, and and just roll everybody into the next event so whether that um, postponement is to later this year uh, or to the following year it just means all the entries roll over so that's that's why they're doing that rather than canceling races well, one thing I'm thinking right now is, uh, and we're going to put this this week's discussion is, what are the implications that we're going to have to face this year because of what's happening in the world right now? So, like for example, what's going to happen with qualifications for Kona? Let's say Kona does go ahead, which it's a bit of a coin, a coin flip right now. If Kona does go ahead, what will we do with qualifications? Let's say if they're not racing till August. Uh, oh, it's pretty straightforward because Last I year? guess. Yeah, well, no, you've got a, probably around about a third of the races have already happened. Um, so there's been quite a few qualifications that have happened. Uh, and then what I foresee happening is it's going to be uh, a crap load of legacy athletes. So they've sent out emails to the legacy athletes saying that if you do want to pull your legacy forward to this year, put your name in the hat and then they'll be drawing people out. But I foresee if, if we do get rolling again, as you said, maybe in – yeah, late July, August time, if that's going to happen, and uh, then you'll get some more qualifications that way, and then there'll be a thousand uh, legacy athletes what on about the start. The pros, the pros who, know, who knows? Again, there'll be some qualifications, uh, and and then I don't know. They should, they should, I don't know. Yeah, you could use various different systems. If I was in charge, I haven't thought this through fully. You'd probably invite the top. 25 or almost everybody from last year and then come up with some sort of fair system for people that weren't there so i i think they're going to have uh, plenty of space to have maybe a few more pros on the start line this year well, well that's what's really interesting isn't it because it is um there's going to be plenty of problems for them to solve and different types of problems i never had to solve and also problems that you only have to deal with one off you know like how do you get the pros to make it fair this year is not going to be a problem next year when we get back to normality Fingers crossed we get better on normality by next year. Um, but I think we'll, we'll go into this discussion in a second. Before we do, just coming up next week, we're going to be releasing Legends of Triathlon, John. That's right. So we've had an interview with Dave Scott. I think we said last week we were going to do it this week, but we're going to just uh, pad that out because uh, we're going to need some content over the next little period. Just one thing, there's always a silver lining. You've always got to look for the positive in all these situations we're going into. And the positive that's coming out of this, as you said with Kona, you know, there'll be lots of slots that aren't allocated. It just means they're going to be able to remove a big lot backlog of legacy athletes uh, and put them in this year if they want to race. And what that's going to mean is in the subsequent years, everybody is going to get their legacy spot yeah. coming in a little bit earlier so you know that's a really big positive and if you were one of those athletes it was going to have to wait uh potentially three or four years to get uh to get your legacy spot then that's going to come around a lot sooner so and in some ways, in some ways if it, like fingers crossed kona goes ahead like it's really hard to know if it's going to but fingers crossed it does because in some ways it'd be quite special if you turn up to the year where all the legacies are there you know what i mean like it would kind of be its own mm. special thing Mm, I think it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Okay, so last week's discussion, what steps have you made to stay positive during your this current pandemic? Also, what are you doing to support your triathlon community? Jombo, let's get into um, it. 
just to put some context into this for all our overseas listeners, they probably don't realise that this is t- today for us is day one of lockdown. So I know a lot of other places around the world have been locked down for for quite some period, um, but d- this is this is day one for for Bevan and I. So, and, so in uh, New Zealand, I got announced. New Zealand's government's managing this very very well. I, I think we're probably on par with the best countries in the world when it comes to managing of it. Um, but we have been told we've got a month, and pretty much everyone has to stay at home. Like it's sure you're allowed to go out and go for a run, but pretty much social isolation over the next period of time. A month seems to be the minimum. Um, we've had two cases in our country of, what do they call it, social passing? Or uh, community transmission. Community transmission. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting times. But anyway, let's get into it. So, John, I'll go first. My husband and I are training for Challenge Shepparton on the 5th of April, likely to be cancelled, of course, but doing a, uh, planning to do a 1.9k swim, 90k bike, 21k run with our friends locally anyway. Get it done. Uh, the good old uh, Colonel uh, Kylie Cox. <laughs> I'm not going with her normal nickname. Uh, I'll be brainstorming. Hot check. I'll be brainstorming with my uh, my bestie John Newsom on how we can provide local opportunities for our club. Reinforce that our winter is a time to rebuild often and focus on bike and run blocks and get out into nature. Often athletes race too much and forget to take a break and chill out. I go to Kieran Sumner's got I had a wobble during my Saturday long ride. I only did forty five miles instead of the planned seventy. Scheduled to do an eighteen mile run for Sunday, which I reckon wasn't going I wasn't going to do. Boom, did it, and the fact no pressure to perform was that made me run well. Back in now, not giving up until I'm told otherwise. Uh, Pike Redden, to stay positive, my goal to get to level 50 on Zwift by the time the virus scare calms down. Uh, I have a... I have a run injury and may not be able to compete this year, so to try to volunteer at more events. Good on you, Pike. Bloody always here. Glad to hear people looking to volunteer when uh, events get back up and running. Edwin Wong's got uh, all pools and tracks are closed, so I'll be more open water swimming, indoor cycling, road running and conditioning sessions, helping people stay positive with sports and group energy. Uh, Lucy Francis, um, one of the things she said was swim cords uh, as pools will be closed uh, or imminent. I'm sure they will be closed by the time this comes out. Uh, and supporting the triathlon community by checking on Tri Friends online, swapping suggestions on training and using a dose of humour. Good old uh, Hua Chin has got, in order to stay positive, I keep telling myself that I will merge from the quarantine jacked. I'm a personal trainer and have provided group cycling classes on Zoom here in Boston. Love your work. And good old flower power Nadine Voice. I've been organising virtual rides on Zwift for the girls in the Betty Design team that I'm part of. A lot of them are in the US and at home. So this is one way to bring everyone together and we have good banter on the ride chats. Little Jeff Curry's got staying positive by getting tremendously out of shape and enjoying it. Supporting the Tri Club by hitting the barbecue restaurant with the guys from the club and drinking buckets of Corona should help build my immunity. Last one, I'll do good old Volk, Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt, uh, solo rides in the desert. And he's got a picture of him uh, riding in the desert. I think he's in Abu Dhabi or somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, so Great photo. Yeah, just out there, sand on one side, sun either going up or coming down, and he's getting some outside time. Good, Richard Swan, he's got, well, my PayPal just paid you guys last week, so I'm still funding it to produce such great content. Good work, Richard. Well done, all patrons. Keep it up. Okay, so this week's discussion is just what are some of the big implications that are going to happen for triathlon over the next 12 months? But, John, let's talk about your thoughts. 
Yes, so um, one thing that I've done is some of you who are on social media or follow me will see I'm doing... Oh, no, you've, become, a, you've become a right teenager. Yeah, I'm Hashtag John Newsom. 30-day challenge, and I basically... The, so this is this is how it goes. It's a 30-day bike challenge, and I did it for myself and trying to get other people to, to stay focused as well and just stay fit. Um, so the idea is you've got to do 45 minutes every day for 30 days. Now, you can start at any time. Hayden Beater, he bloody tried to catch me up. He, he, he re- didn't realise for a couple of days after I'd started, and he started double riding every day to oh. try to get in sync with me. So you can, it's, it's a personal challenge. You start whenever you like. I'm on day seven today. Uh, so 30, 30 rides in 30 days um, and my personal objectives is to include some intensity every second day now that uh, intensity is quite a uh, you know it can, can mean anything to a lot of people yeah. but for me it means you know pushing it up a hill a couple of times or doing some sort of intervals every second day rather than just turning legs over um, for 30 days in succession now I've given people a little bit of an out in terms of if you have to miss a session and it's kind of out of your control. It's not planned. If you literally have not got 45 minutes spare in your day, whether it be family demands or whatever it is, then you can uh, you can you are eligible to skip that day. But you've got to catch it up the next day and oh. do a double ride. You're you can't very go, generous, John Newsom. You're very, very generous. generous. You can't just go. Oh, I'll do 45 plus 45. I'll do an hour and a half ride. It has to be two two separate rides to to catch up and stay on sync. So I've set up a little Strava group. I think when I last checked, I think we nearly had about 30 people on there. For some reason, a couple of people have said they weren't showing up in there. Uh, I thought that was to do with whether your profile was public or not, but it seems not, so I'll, I'll try to figure that out. And I think what I'm probably going to do today is set up a, maybe a Facebook group page as well, just so people nice. can, can inter- interact as well. Um, but for me personally, what I'm doing, I'm going and trying different roads that I haven't been on before, and uh, I haven't got any real particular purpose to, you know, at, at the end of it, I am going to do... I'm actually I'm not going to tell people what I'll do at the end, but the we, d- oh, day, day, day 30 for everybody will be a bonus little challenge. Triple, triple but, long bays? Yeah, exactly. But the other day, I went and rode a couple of hills that I've never ridden before in my life. Uh, the steepest climb in Christchurch, or steepest road in Christchurch, which uh, so is... Was No, Maffey's, which is just is next to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's only 400 metres long. I think it's 440. I think the average gradient is about, I think it's 17.8%, but the middle pitch is uh, is mostly around sort of 22 to 25%, so it's, it's pretty decent. Um, I can't believe you've never ridden that. You used to live around the corner from it. I know it's pretty steep, and I and, and now I've, I'm on a bike with compact cranks, yeah. um, so that means I've got a lot more gearing to work with. And I was okay getting up there. There was a little bit of the front wheel jumping off the ground a couple of times, <laughs> but out of the seat, it wasn't wasn't too bad. But with regular gearing, yeah, you'd be uh, that cadence would be getting pretty low. So, um, so why do it? Uh, for me, it's a personal challenge just to keep me sort of ticking over. It certainly helps with the motivation because yesterday, for example. Um, you know, we had a few curveballs and stuff, and uh, still meant I went out for a ride where sometimes oh, so maybe I'll be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and the thing as well, and this is what I'm telling all the athletes that are, that are doing it, and then especially the ones that I'm coaching, is short term and medium term, it's actually going to do some real good to your, to your biking. You know, if you ride for 30 days in a row, uh, you're going to come out the other end with some some better biking ability and also for me it can create some accountability so i'm posting a picture every day on facebook and instagram um sometimes it's cycling pictures last night it was pictures of me drinking some wine um but that gives me that accountability that um i've got to post something every day and uh so i'm kind of 
in it with the other people as well. Okay, um, um, John, what, what, what about just uh, anything else? Like not just your, your challenge? Uh, no, I'm just surprisingly optimistic about there's going to be some positivity comes out of this whole bloody situation. So, you know, it took me a week to sort of deal with the, the shock and all that sort of stuff because um, my business is obviously going to be majorly impacted, much like yours, Bevan. Mm. Um, and But now it's kind of just acceptance and just getting on with it, enjoying the family. I'm actually looking forward to doing a bit of the homeschooling with the kids uh, yeah. and, and trying a few different things with them. So, yeah, the sun's coming up and... Uh, yeah, you've got to see it as an opportunity, don't you? Because like mm. for me, like I'm not necessarily doing a fitness challenge like you're doing. I'll, I'll just keep fit. That's my job. Um, but I'll, I'll probably do a bit more running because I haven't been running much recently, which is quite cool. I'm looking forward to getting out and doing a bit of running. But for me, it is that, you know, like, because like John, my, my business just closed overnight. Um, mm. And it's a bit of a worry. But I think I think fundamentally there's this thing of trust. We've got a good business on the other side of it, still good business, we're going to be fine. And it's a really important thing to have in place. But but also, um, for me, it's just like, we've actually become quite time rich, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what's the opportunity? So I've, I've been, I think a couple of weeks ago, I started mentioning that I've written, I'm starting to write a new book. And it's like, I had a goal of getting a book written by October. Well, in theory, I should be able to get it written in the next 30 days, at least mm. the first draft finished. So like, what a cool opportunity that is. Instead of trying to fit it in around my week a couple of hours here or there, I can nut out a couple of hours a day and get this book pretty much done and dusted by the end of this month. So it's just that kind of like, where is the opportunity in this to, you know, just kind of do some things that maybe you kind of never have time to do? And I, that's what I'm really excited about. And then I was just thinking about for your community is what person do you want to be for your community? Now, obviously, people like John and I, we are leaders in our communities. So we we are people, people follow us and we try to guide people. So John's challenge is a really great job, great example of being a leader. And I just think being aware of your role at this time is really important. So for me, it is about making sure we're communicating well with our people, um, giving them some options that can still keep them motivated, kind of just being there if they need you there. Obviously, we can't be there physically, but just checking in, just those little things are really important right now. And just, you know, looking out for your peeps, I think, is really important. Mm. Yeah. And this is where the, the power of social media in this next period is going to be just amazing. Imagine if we were going through this without, oh. for, for a lot of us, without social media, you know, we'd all just be stuck at home. It'd be horrendous. You couldn't go and check in on somebody. I mean, I suppose you could you could phone them, but that's about all you can uh, kind of do. So yeah, just look after everybody. And uh, look, I totally get that Bevan and I are in completely different situations to a lot of people that have maybe lost their jobs and so on. Yeah. And we've we've got, we are the sort of the masters of our own destiny to to some degree. But at the same time, we've both been hit hard. So when you're self-employed, you know you can uh, you sort of got a bit of control but you've also haven't got that much control so well, i think one thing that you and i are lucky with is that we're used to the home life because mm. for a lot of people working from home and also just being around their partner so much you know mm. like i think yeah. there's got to be some relationship problems underneath because yeah. <laughs> you're pretty much the person you live with in new zealand at least is the only person you're going to actually physically be around for the next month um and for a lot, it's like you know how truckers when they finally quit their job they often end up breaking up their marriage because their mm-hmm. wife doesn't like them around so yeah. look after the relationship team look after the relationship so this week's discussion what we're talking about is just what are the implications that, uh, for triathlon right now, moving forward, 
period of time around what's happening with the pandemic. So check that out. Love to hear your thoughts. And be a bit deeper with this one. John, let's do your history lesson. John's history lesson. History lesson. Right, This is gold. This was gold. Um, So in 1996, I went to the World Tri-Champs back in those days. Uh, I am, that was my last, 96, was it 96? I I think it was my last year as a junior. It was. So I would have been 19 going on 20. And going to them, like getting to the Worlds was obviously a big goal, but did you have much ambition when you were there or what was the goal going into it? Um. Yeah, I did have reasonably ambitious. So I was the number two Kiwi guy going in. Um, so for me, you know, a good result probably would have been a top 20, I would have think. Um, and we had a training camp. We went to Flagstaff, Arizona. So there was a group of us that went up there. There was um, Jamie Hunt, who ended up, he was one of the co-founders of Two Times You. Cam, Cam Brown was up there. Um, who else would people know? Jenny Rose was up there uh, and a few others. So we, we went up there for an altitude training camp and then went down to Cleveland, Ohio and for the, for the race. And, yeah, the altitude didn't actually work that well for me. I didn't have a great race, but this, is, this isn't about me. It's, um, it's about, yeah, it's about observing what was what was going on in the race. But, but I am going to mention not my race, but actually have a look at the results. It's fascinating going back and looking at um, past results of uh, and seeing where people have come through. But what the main reason for this discussion was um, in the afternoon, uh, they had the elite race. So back then it was all Olympic distance race, even for the juniors. So um, at you know, um, 17, 18, 19, it was, was all Olympic distance. You have the age group race in the morning. And then the elite races in the afternoon. And this was only the second year of draft legal. And they didn't quite got things nailed down in terms of trying to get really challenging courses and what have you. So the men's race ended up being uh, a bit of a procession. There was there was a breakaway on the bike. And on the breakaway, it ended up being Simon Lessing, um, Greg Bennett, who we had on the show a few weeks ago on Legends. Uh, go and listen to that. Uh, Hamish Carter. And I think maybe it was Craig Walton and maybe somebody else. It was like six or eight that managed to get off the front on the bike and then it became a bit of a snooze because you're thinking Simon Lessing's probably going to smash this but at the same time for us Kiwis we were going this is a great opportunity for Hamish Carter to absolutely smoke it. Um, what actually ended up happening was Simon Lessing did go on and he absolutely crushed the race and uh, and won another world title um, but the person who came second I'd never heard of before and his name was Luke Van Laird. I thought where the hell did this guy come from? And literally up until I did this preparation for the show uh, about uh, a couple of hours ago, I still thought he had hardly done anything before actually going into this uh, this World Championships, but he had actually had some good results. But everybody else in the world had never heard of him before, and it was a real shock result. What so, that, so John, to, just, just at that moment, how old would have you been? Uh, let's see. He was born in 1969. So what year was this? So he would have been... 27, 20, yeah, 27 Oh, okay, so, so, so he wasn't a young guy. He was basically, okay, so no wonder was, everyone was surprised. Yeah, so, and what it started was then this chain reaction of events over the next period 
just amazing results. So this race was on in August, I think. Two weeks later, he went off and finished second at the uh, ITU Long Distance World Champs. He got run down by Greg Welsh. It was a good quality field, so another big result. And then a few weeks later, then he went on and became the only rookie to win on debut in Kona. He ran a 2.41, absolutely smashed it, set a new course record, never done Kona before. Don't I assume he must have done an Ironman somewhere to qualify, uh, but went on and just absolutely smashed it. Went 2.41 on debut and then went on from there to have a fantastic long course career, setting course records in Roth. He went back to Kona and won again in Kona. Uh, a few years later, he had multiple podiums in Kona. Beautiful runner and just all round amazing. He was awesome swimmer, awesome biker, awesome runner. So yeah, he won again in 99. Uh, and I did notice that he did still go back in 2007 where he finished in eighth place. So yeah, Luke Van Laird, a lot of you guys will have never heard of him before, but uh, amazing set of results. However, when I did go back and looked at his ITU career, I did actually note that in 1990, so six years before this actually happened, in the Orlando ITU World Championships, which I think it was the, I think that was the second ever world champs. It was either the second, second or um, third world champs. I think Avignon was eighty nine. I think it was either eighty eight or eighty nine. It was one of the first world champs. He finished fourth there, which was pretty impressive. Behind Greg Welsh, Brad Bevan, and Stephen Foster, beating the likes of Rob Rob Barrell, um, Simon Lessing, uh, Rick Wells, Mike Pig, etc. So maybe I was a little bit too harsh to say he hadn't done anything because that was a pretty impressive result. Um, and then he had some other uh, pretty decent results in Europe. But for the rest of the world, nineteen ninety six, uh, he erupted and just kicks him back. He must have been racing a lot on those small circuits you talk about because if you look at his career, you know, he has that first race in 1990. This is just in the ITU world. He races a couple times in 1990, four times in 92, but they're all mainly European races. 93, 94 doesn't really race at all, ITU at least. 95 starts to pick it up, 96 picks it up, only a couple races. So he didn't mm. race a huge amount of ITU. But was that just the world at that time? Well, I suspect that's just the, a case of the results not being complete for that period of time. Okay. So when, when you go into ITU and you look at the results from that, that sort of era of the early 90s, often you'll only see finish times rather than splits or anything like that. So I imagine with a lot of the events, either they no longer exist or they just didn't historically keep keep a, a good uh, account of the results. So he may have been racing loads, but no doubt, as you said, he would have been racing. And he's from Belgium um, in various other European races that, that ne weren't necessarily sanctioned. Was, I he, was, it, was he the one who had the world record? Uh, yeah, for right. a long time. Yeah. Yep, yep. 7.51, I think it was. So uh, for, those, was... for those who don't know, I'm sure many of Alice as well, but what was that story, John? It was a pretty amazing day, wasn't it? It was. So then the first person to ever go sub eight was Lothar Leader, and I think he just dipped under. I can't remember off the top of my head what his time was. Uh, and then that particular year, though, that Bevan is alluding to is when there was Jürgen Zak. Um, yeah, there was Jürgen Zak, Thomas Halregel, Luke, uh, um, Luke Van Leer. Luke Van Leer, and maybe it was Lothar Leader. I can't actually remember who the other one was. Uh, well, who, was the, who was the guy who always got. Um, was it, was it, oh, did you say Jürgen Zak? Yeah, and Hal okay. Regal. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they just smashed it together. On the I'd bike, eh? To... Hey? They just smashed the bike. Yeah, I'd love to go back and actually see if there's any footage of that. Yeah. Because basically give... what happened, like, it was just one of those days, because Roach always the fast bike, but you just had, and they were basically the axes of the bike, weren't they? You had all mm. the ex-cyclists in the sport 
all together in the bike and they just destroyed the bike. Yeah. And then he went off and ran, ran away from it in the end, didn't he? And uh, the, yeah, one of the other things I did want to point out is the first time that he, the, the, the time on debut uh, in Kona when he won, running a 241. Uh, let me just find the year. So it was 1996. Uh, he beat Thomas Hellriegel. Uh, he ran down Thomas Hellriegel, who at the time was just a weapon on the bike. But Thomas Hellriegel ran 246.55. That would rip your undies when you're that good on the bike. You run a 246. There's been plenty of years yeah. where 246 would win you the race. Because Hellriegel was just unbelievable, wasn't he, on the bike? Uh, yeah. yeah, he was awesome. He, re- he rode a, two, uh, a 424, which in today's terms isn't that fast, but yeah. uh, back then he's putting 11 minutes into Greg Welsh. He's putting six minutes into uh, Peter Reid. Uh, Dave Scott, who you'll hear about later on, put 25 minutes into Dave Scott. But, yeah, it was uh, amazing times. When you run a 246, when you've got a, a bit of a lead, Disappointing for him, but he has he did he did get a kind of win, so so good on uh, Thomas Hellriegel. On breaking news, uh, the Tokyo Olympics will be postponed due to coronavirus. Says Dick Pound till twenty twenty one. Ah, it won't be breaking news by the time people hear yeah. this. But, uh, yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So there you go. It changes. Who do we lose? Who do we lose? Twenty. Does Gomez is he out? Twenty twenty one. Another year. Another year. It makes it a bit harder for him. Yeah. I think if you, again, let's be positive. Who 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 really kicks on when you think those young pretenders who we talk about, the likes of Alex Yee, um, our yeah. Kiwi fella Hayden Wild, Got another um, another year under their belt, they're going to be another, you know, yeah, mm, interesting, very interesting. Good call though. Oh, totally. Okay, John, we're going to interview coming up with Dr. Greg Wells. He's a psychologist, uh, physiologist, a scientist, and author and an athlete he's a pretty adventurous guy himself we're going to get him on the show to talk about kind of being a better performer but turns out we're living in a crazy time he's got a book called rest refocus recharge you can get it on amazon his website is dr greg wells um we sit, i sat down and talked with him for the other day great interview just about how to deal with this moment in time here is dr greg right now Right, a team I'm pretty happy to have on the show today, a man by the name of Dr. Greg Wells. He's the author of many books. He's had some pretty amazing experiences around triathlon and just kind of challenging experiences in his life. And he's recently brought out a book called Reset, oh, sorry, Rest, Refocus and Recharge. And welcome to the show. So good to have you. Uh, have me on the show, buddy. I really appreciate it in these crazy times. Like, I just, I'm so happy to chat and talk about training and just uh, just throw some ideas around. So really appreciate it. This is awesome. It's funny. We just got on the call with Greg just a few seconds ago, and he was saying he was meant to be at home doing the interview, but the kids were driving him crazy. So he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, out, he's, he's out in the middle of nowhere walking around <laughs> doing an interview while going for a walk. It, it, you know, like obviously yeah. podcasting is an interesting thing because people will often listen to this in the future. But if you do listen to this in the future, we're right in the in the middle of the coronavirus. And so it's a really interesting time right now. And I suppose just on a personal level, how is it affecting you? Um, you know, good question. So radical transparency. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada. So, you know, so far it hasn't been too bad. We are asked to socially isolate. So we're not supposed to be, you know, close to anyone that's not in your immediate family. Um, we've, you know, schools are shut down. Um, I do believe that we will probably end up in, um, what is it, shelter in place soon, which is, you know, confined to home. So I'm just outside getting as much outside time as I can. Um, So as of like Friday of last week, I had a thriving 
speaking business, a thriving coaching business. My books were, you know, selling like crazy. It was like flying all over the world. Um, and it was incredible. It was, uh, you know, a dream come true. By Monday morning, uh, 100% of my business had evaporated. So, and my wife's a chiropractor. And so she, um, her clinic shut down. So we went from being like rocking to um, zero. So it's been an insane week. Um, but I've, I've wanted to pivot to digital for quite some time now. So funny enough, like by, by Monday at noon, I was like, all right, you know, I had my pity, pity time. Let's, um, let's make some coffee. Let's, let's make this, let's figure this out. And, um, I, I got my team together. I'm like, all right guys. So guess what? What was going to happen this year is now going to happen this week. And we're converting our entire company to digital. And so we've moved everything to online courses. We've recorded audio we've recorded video we've written articles we created you know moved all of our tools to pdfs and we became a digital company overnight and um you know it's it's 5 p.m in toronto on a friday afternoon the business is back up and running i've got you know clients that are super excited to be able to continue to do stuff but virtually and um i think we've saved it so it's been an insane week but um yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just bonkers. So let, let, let's dig into this. So, um, can you talk to me about your thinking process now? Not necessarily the problem solving of the business, more what you yep. work through within your own mind, because you woke up in a place which potentially is pretty scary um, and unknown. Because that's one of the problems of this moment we're in right now is there's no certainty. Like we all know, three years from now, life's going to be pretty much back to normal. But unless in yep. the, the short term, six months to a year, it's very uncertain about what's going to be the case. So, what was your thinking? You know, because obviously you do a lot of work around thinking. So, what was your thinking process <laughs> internally? as you worked through this week yeah really good question and so you know i go back i was when i was 15 i broke my neck and came back from a broken neck and in 2012 had a heart infection it hospitalized me and you know i came back from that to do an iron man so this is this bizarre pattern that's sort of emerging in my life so what happened was you know friday i see things evaporating on the weekend things are literally getting worse around the world by like every half hour there's some new announcement so um by sunday i'm like i'm turning off all media this isn't helping yeah uh we we sort of knew judith and i that uh her clinic was going to get closed down like obviously you're not going to be in close proximity touching people for the next little while so you know she she went in and and just did as many treatments as she could just to get um, her patients dealt with and then uh came home and then we sort of sat down like all right what are we going to do and so the first thing we did was, um, you know, by, by Monday night, I was like, what can I control and what can I not control? So I think the first thing I did was I started eliminating any sort of inputs to my, and I apologize for the wind, um, any, sort of in, any sort of inputs to my psychology that I was not choosing. So I basically stopped going on social media. I, you know, checked the news morning and night, but like very briefly so I could think without being distracted by the, all the stuff that I could not control, which is what's going on externally. So radical focus just on what can I control. And then Judith and I sat down on Monday night and we're like, all right, so we're both just went from like good incomes to zero. Mm-hmm. And so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to eliminate every expense we possibly can. So everything that is not like mission critical is being ended right now, which is actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like I like, the fact that I have freedom to do whatever I want, but 
it was nice to sort of clean house. Like all my magazine subscriptions are gone. Um, you know, like just as a micro level. And when you add all of that stuff up, you're like, wow, that's a lot of like cash flow that was going out every month, which we eliminated. So that was really good. Um, you know, super unfortunately, like hard decisions have to be made. It wasn't an easy process. And there were some decisions which I won't get into, but you know, hard, hard, hard decisions that we made as a, as a family. Um, and then we've just sort of gone into lockdown, like Judith's like, okay, cool. So we're homeschooling the kids for the rest of the year. Um, we're going to train first thing in the morning before the sun comes up. And we just went into, uh, you know, so what we could control as a family, I think the financial stuff, we sort of eliminated all of the superfluous, anything that we had to make sure that we would be able to, you know, survive indefinitely on, you know, what we had, what we had saved up. And then just like, look, I got the family, I got the home, you go rebuild your business. And um, that sort of divide and conquer thing freed me up so that I can, without guilt, spend, you know, 14 hours a day up in my office, just jamming away on leading my team through a, a total overhaul of the company. And here we are on Friday night, the kids are healthy, happy, Judith's healthy and happy, everyone's like chill. And you know, the business is coming back to life. So it was sort of a pattern of like, holy smokes, fear, elimination of all distractions pull back to essentials uh chart a new course and then go all in on that new course and that's basically what we did this week and it seems to have worked really well i know that this has had like nothing to do with what, with what we plan to talk about on this call but i think it's it's hyper relevant right now because everyone's going to go through this and i think you can apply the same pattern to like a health challenge um you know let's say you lose your job same sort of thing let's say you choose to do an iron man same sort of thing um this is just a, a pattern that i think that we can apply to all of our lives and um pretty wild to be doing it and talking about it already well as you identified there it's a stress strategy isn't it you know and, and obviously we're experiencing the extreme of stress and, and what's really interesting right now is that the whole world is kind of in the same place so kind of everyone you're in contact with is experiencing this level um but it's it's the, how do you deal with it is the key, isn't it? It's we're all and, and and while we are in the most extreme moment right now, we all experience stress every day of our lives, you know. Right. And, and now this is where you need to go to the extreme level of the tools you're going to use. <clears throat> but there's yeah. the real real value in learning the lessons. Oh, like I was t coaching one of my runners this morning, and uh, and we we're saying. Well, you can use this as an opportunity to have better tools for stress moving forward after this moment. Because, you, you yeah. know, you're going to experience some high stress right now. So you're either going to do it really poorly or you're going to do it in a way that actually helps you calmly move through this time. And, if, if, you know, we think about where's the opportunity in this. Well, that's one of pretty good opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, you're right. Like, we all experience stress all the time. Um, we can choose to respond to that stress or we can choose to react to it. And I've been sort of teaching that for a long time, but it's, you know, kind of ironic that now I'm having to do it myself. And so the danger is when you're faced with a threat, whatever that threat happens to be, um, you're in the middle of a race and it's not going well, you hit the wall in a marathon with, you know, 6K to go, your business gets hit, a family member gets sick, like something of that nature, a threat happens to you. Tip physiologically, you're going to have a response. And the response is designed to enable you to perform at a high level physiologically because you know, we're like from an evolutionary perspective, you're threatened, you've got to fight or run, right? So we're, mm -hmm. but in our world, you can't run away from a bad, um, you know, job performance review with your boss. Like you're not running out of the room if you get that, but you still feel, feel it the same way as if you're 
faced with a saber-toothed tiger. So we're anxious, we're stressed, we're tight, our muscles tighten up, we feel sick to our stomachs, our brains start racing. And so we have that physiologic response. The challenge, because that does not serve us in this world unless you need to run, which you know generally we don't, in a threatening moment, uh, the challenge is for us to actually respond instead of react. And so in order to do that, we've just got to create some space and time between the threat so that you have enough time to chart a course forwards that is positive and under your control. And I think that that is a simple thing that we can do. So whether that's like three breaths just to, you know, compose yourself before you respond, um, whether that's taking an hour to go for a walk, like as I'm doing right now, just to get away from, <laughs> I love, I, I love my children, but like, I just need to get out of the house. Um, like that when we create space and time that enables us to shift from reacting to stress uh, into a, a response where we can take control. And really that's the game, right? Is it like control what you can control and what you cannot control. We need to not worry about, we need to, although there's a lot of that happening right now. I would challenge everyone listening and whether it's now, you know, it's hyper relevant in the news at the moment, or if you're listening to this in a year from now, it's just all about that. You know, what can we control and um, eliminating, you know, worrying about stuff that you cannot control. And that's really the game. And, and so what you're saying there is, is identify when you start to feel like you're going out of control, create some kind of pause moment to re realign yourself, to give yourself the space to do the work that will help you move through this. 100%. Like, even if you just think about, it, like, if we take it back to running for a second, imagine you're doing a marathon, it's, you know, you're 18 kilometers in, or let's say 36 kilometers in, right? You're a long way in, and you're dying, like your muscles are seizing up, everything's cramping, you can just keep pushing and get into that, oh my god, I've still got 6k to go, like, what am I going to do? I've trained all this time, I'm not hitting my target, like, that's all the, the, the chatter that can go into your brain. Or you can slow down, you can reset your posture, you can hold your technique, you can recover and regenerate, you can take a few breaths, maybe walk through an aid station, get some water on board, drink or eat some carbohydrates to refuel your muscles. And in that moment where maybe you take five minutes to chill out and you have one slow kilometer, that's enough for you to reset so that you can slowly build yourself back up and actually run across the finish line and and that's just a slightly different approach. That's like a, a respond versus react type um, example, just purely from running. And I think that that's a good analogy for us to use in our life. So I'm so excited about you know people being involved in sports and my kids being involved in sports because the lessons that we learn, I mean, marathons are just for fun, like unless you're making a living off of it. Um, you know, we participate in sports because they make us feel good. It's fun, um, but it's not life or death. And so we want to be taking lessons from sports to apply to the rest of our lives to make sure that our lives get better because we are marathoners, you know, because we are triathletes, because we are swimmers. And I think that's really, really cool thing about participating in sports and what we can learn from it. So interesting, actually, as you, as you were saying that, I, I thought of a really great example of that. I interviewed Chris McCormick when he won Ironman the last World Championship the last time. Yeah. And it was a really interesting race because Andreas Raylert was catching him very fast with about 10K to go. And he was, he was basically, he kind of gone too fast early in the run and he was blowing up. And then the guy who's the fastest runner in the sport at that moment, catching him like putting, you know, 20 seconds of K on him. And, and in that interview, he said exactly what you said there. He said, stop myself. He said, I said, Maka, slow down a second. Just take a moment, 
Think about what you've got to do. Wait for him. He's going to catch you. Wait for him to catch you. And then create a plan. And, and he, went, he goes on and wins the race. And, and you could argue, well, I think we, it's pretty obvious that the reason he won that race is he took that moment. He wasn't reactive to the fact that Andreas is catching him. He was no. t- took a moment to do that process you just talked about there. And then, so when, the, when he had to go to that next level again, he had the ability and he had actually pre-planned it, hadn't he? Yeah, so I think that's a skill and a practice that um, athletes drill into themselves so that when it does come to time, you know, you're at Ironman World Championships, you've got 10K to go, you've been training for 10 years for this moment, um, things are going off the rails, a competitor is pushing you to your absolute limits, there's a moment when you either respond or react, mm-hmm. and the game is not to react and panic and go into fear, the game is to uh, you know, let that lean into, lean into the fear, which is a kind of a wild idea, um, lean into the anxiety, let it wash over you and then come out the other side, uh, so that you can actually respond. You can do what you need to do. You can take action. You can move in the direction that you need to without tension and in a relaxed, confident, strong way. And, that's what the whole world needs to do right now. Which is that, wild. One thing that's a little bit different to the athletic performance in regards to the athlete versus where we are right now is that when someone signs up for an Ironman or a marathon, they're choosing to, to go into that situation. So they're choosing to put themselves in a place where they're going to face adversity and you know, and they have to show that kind of – they want to discover how they're going to be in that moment. Whereas right now we're, we're kind of – it's forced upon us. And so yeah. – is there a difference in how you treat it or is it still just the same strategy? Well, it's the same strategy, but I think that you're absolutely correct. And it is important to note that this has been thrust upon us. This is not of our own choosing and that we, um, and you know, there are moments in life where you are confronted with challenges that are not of your own making, you know, maybe a family member gets sick. Maybe there's a pandemic, um, you know, which would have been a ridiculous statement um, even like four days ago, a family member gets sick, pandemic, um, you get fired from your job, uh, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so there are things that we can control and things we cannot control. And so when things are out of our control, we still have to deal with them. And the challenge there is to do is what my colleague, uh, Ron Tite, who's a, a business consultant, says, he says, what you actually can control is what you think, say, and do. And so when we understand that, you know, everything is basically what you think, what is going on in, inside your own brain, uh, what you say, what comes out of your mouth, and what your actions are, that is literally all that you can control. We cannot control what other people say. We can't control what other people think. We can't control what other people do. All we can do is take care of our own actions, our own thoughts, and our own uh, words, which then leads to the ability to control your emotions. And so that, I think, is a really powerful idea for people, is that regardless of whether we are faced with a challenge of our own making, signing up for an Ironman, uh, or a challenge that is not of our own making, family member gets sick, how we respond to that via the strategy of think, say, do, which is the title of Ron's book, if anyone wants to dig into that a little bit further, uh, I think that really helps us to understand, like, what is it that we can do? So, you know, Judith and I this week decided that we were going to be very positive in the way that we were speaking around our children. We were going to be transparent, explain everything that's going on. And they're like, okay, cool. Because now my five-year-old 
um, you know, he was like, Daddy, I, I need to spend time with you. I was like, well, Adam, uh, you know, the world has, this is happening around the world. Have you heard of it? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, Daddy's business has been affected. I'm going to need to spend a lot of my time in my office upstairs. And it can't be interrupted because I got a lot of work to do so I can rebuild the business. He goes, okay. So like, as soon as we explained it to him, words, uh, he was able to be, you know, pretty cool with it, which was kind of interesting. So it's that whole think, say, do to enable us to control what we can control in an environment that we may or may not be, you know, we, we may, we may not be in control of the macro situation, but we can certainly control the micro situation. Well, one thing that I live in Christchurch in New Zealand and, and about 10 years ago, we had some pretty horrific earthquakes here. And, and one of the real beautiful things that came out of the earthquakes was how the, it brought connection back to people. Um, you know, that uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. You go to the supermarket and everyone was talking, you know, you know, in a world where everyone's looking at their phones, it was the total opposite and it was kind of, it really showed the beautiful side of humanity. This issue is a different issue because the isolation, you know, and, yeah. and so, you know, we're all having to disconnect with our world. So I suppose the question for you in this moment is in regards to people contact for yourself and who should you try to be for other people at this moment? Right. So that's a really powerful question. And I know that we are socially isolated right now and i would encourage everyone like whether this is now you're listening to this right now in the middle of this pandemic or you're listening to this in a year or two years um we all experience social isolation and whether it's acute like right now or a bit more chronic like if um you know teenagers are stuck at home and they're scrolling through instagram and they don't feel like they're connected to anyone like this is not a new new feeling for people and so although we are socially isolated i encourage people to be emotionally connected and so, for example, my kids FaceTime my mom and dad every single night right now. They weren't doing that before. They are doing it now because I know that my mom and dad are, they're pretty intense people. And so for them, you know, to sit in their condo, that is not going to go well for very long. So I'm trying to keep them entertained by connecting them to the grandkids every single night on, on FaceTime. So emotional connection, even though we are socially isolated. Uh, my friends and I, who I've trained with since I was a kid, I was a, a competitive swimmer growing up, and there's a group of us that swam together that actually are remarkably, 30 years later, all sort of living in the same neighborhood. Uh, we get on our trainers in the morning at 6.30, and uh, you know, we set up Google Hangouts, and we all go on Zwift, and we trash talk each other. And so even though we are physically isolated, we are emotionally connected. Uh, emotionally connected because, you know, we're... Um, trash talking each other through Google Hangouts. Yeah. Uh, and so I, and it's funny, you know, in this time where we are totally isolated this week, I've just been, I've been chatting to people on zoom. I've been doing calls with people, lots of text messaging. It's just like you said, uh, you know, may have happened after the earthquakes in, in Christchurch. It's a, it's a chance for us to understand what really does matter to us now that we've been had it taken away. It's a chance for us to connect via whatever technology that we have I think that's the good thing about technology. There was so much uh, noise around the negative side of social media recently. Well, you know what? Right now, it's just all about connection, connection, connection. And I think that we can actually start to better understand how to use technology to enhance our lives and make it better and to connect us to more people um, rather than using it as a sort of passively consuming it and comparing ourselves to other or having that fears, fear of missing out or you know, being frustrated that your friends are all out on vacation yet again on Facebook, right? So yeah. um, I think it's an opportunity to shift from social isolation to emotional connection. I'd love everyone to try to do that. 
And, and, and I think to add on top of that is what we also want to do is to understand the importance of that right now. You know, and, yeah. and like, because I, I, I've only just met you, agree, but I get the feeling you're quite a social soul uh, and a lot like me. You know, we, we, we are the people who are naturally going to just kind of need people in our lives. But also yeah. for the person who's listening to that who maybe isn't that way inclined naturally. Um, right. You, you know, just the importance to prioritize this in right now because often the biggest problem for people is when they struggle, they isolate. Um, you know, and if, yeah. if, you, if you're struggling emotionally right now and, and you kind of physically have to isolate, then it does take a conscious effort to actually make sure you are putting people in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, the um, the language that's being used in the media right now uh, mirrors the language that's used, the words that are used to describe uh, depression. Okay. And so, you know, so as a, as a world right now, we're being forced to experience what a lot of people who struggle with mental health experience on a daily basis. And so I think it's incumbent upon all of us to do a number of different things. I think that we all need to renew our efforts on taking care of ourselves. I know a lot of athletes listen to your show. So, you know, you're probably, I'm preaching to the choir already, but I think we need to renew our attention to sleep. I think we need to sleep really well right now and take care of that because if you sleep well, then everything else sort of cascades from that point. So going to bed at the same time, uh, you know, not binge watching Netflix until two o'clock in the morning. Uh, this is not the time to start drinking a lot of alcohol, which, you know, destroys your ability to sleep. You don't recover. I think it's a, a time for us to renew our efforts on eating healthy food because, uh, you know, we may actually have time to eat really good food and make really good food, given that we are going to be isolated more than we probably have been. And uh, like, I don't have to commute to and from work anymore. So that's, you know, hour a day that I just got back that I can spend on eating with my family. I think whether we are, um, you know, isolated or taking some time outside, like going for a walk and sort of sitting in trees right now, like I'm doing, getting some exercise, I think is massive for us and continuing to practice our mindset through meditation and, and mindful and mindfulness. So uh, I think now is the time for all of us to use this moment that we have where we are being asked to distance ourselves socially and maybe stay at home more than we have been and uh, you know not necessarily go to work but to work from home like we have some time we're with our families we can actually take advantage of this and do a little bit better in all of all areas around taking care of ourselves so we don't get into a situation where our mental health begins to suffer too much and for anyone that does struggle with mental health you're not alone one in five uh, people in the western developed world so that's canada the us uk australia new zealand one in five people in all of those countries will access the medical system at some point because of a mental health related challenge that's depression and anxiety you are not alone so connect with people ask for help you know do a skype call with friends facetime people flip a few text messages out see what comes back at you and um you know we just build positivity and Make sure that there's people around you that are making your life better. And even if it's virtually, it still will make a difference. One question I've got for you, which is very applicable to the time. Um, I'm sure you read Charles Duhigg's um, Power of Habit. Uh, and he yeah. talks about how time of change is often a really uh, can be quite an influential time. And, and many people can make mistakes at that time because they set up bad habits. Now, for a lot of yeah. people right now, because their routine's been just whipped out like, you know, like a met underneath their feet instantly you know a lot of people just you know because routine does help and suddenly all this you know majority of the world who don't work from home and suddenly have to work home what's your advice around that because that's that's a pretty 
you know, because your book is about refocus and setting and recharge, you know, like, how do you stay yeah. focused? And, and what, for someone who's going into an environment, even though it is their home, but because I, I, I once wrote a piece a few years ago around um, don't buy exercise equipment for home unless you're a, a really good exerciser because home is designed for comfort, right. not exercise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and so homes generally for most people isn't designed for work. So in regards right. to this moment where their routine has just been thrown out of the way, what would be your advice about how to navigate this time in a way where they do feel they're not just wasting their life or, or they are productive or they are feeling good about satisfied at the end of their day? Yeah, really cool question. So like our lives have been sort of thrown up. We can reset from absolute scratch. You're not beholden to all of the schedules that we normally keep. My kids are out of school. I'm not required to go to a presentation. I can do it from home. Like everything has been sort of free and clear now. People have a clean slate to build from. I actually think it's a really exciting time. And back to the book that you mentioned, um, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, great book for everyone, even if you only read the opening two, par- two chapters. Um, you know, He speaks about the fact that we need routine. We need habits because it saves us energy. Anything that can be automated should be automated um, so we can direct energy towards learning new tasks or actual performance. So we don't think about walking anymore. But when we were learning how to walk, it was very, very powerful for us. We often don't think about the route that we take driving to work. It's automated. And that's why you can daydream during that time. Not that that's necessarily a good thing, but just as examples. Mm. And so now that we've got a totally clean slate, we can start from scratch. You can actually build that morning exercise routine into your day because guess what? You're not having to race in and, and commute. You can build in the habit of eating that um, or you know, setting yourself up to have that incredibly healthy, nutrient-dense shake to start your day. Uh, there's all sorts of new routines that, and habits that you can build in. Now, there's a period of time that was required to install a new habit. Research from the University College of London suggests that it's anywhere from 20 to 120 days to install a new habit, average being 66. And so we push as much energy as possible into installing that new habit in this time. You know, by the time that we're through and things start to get a little bit better, we're probably going to be two to three months from now. So you've got a window of opportunity to build in that new that new habit and strategy. So I recommend, I've been speaking a lot about the idea of the power of 1% and, you know, sort of thinking about 1% improvements, which is one, you know, 1% of your day is 15 minutes. If you can do 15 minutes of your day and just slightly change a little tiny bit every single day and get better 1% at a time compounded over time, we end up with this massive, incredible, uh, positive outcome for us. I think if you do 1% better, uh, for a year, you end up with a factor of 38-fold improvement in whatever variable it is that you're trying to trying to work on. So imagine if you get like improve your fitness by a factor of like 38, or you can improve your health 38-fold. It would just be like mind blowing. Mm. And a, like a powerful research example of that is if you do 15 minutes of walking a day, you reduce your risk of breast cancer and colon cancer 24 to 40 percent. But it has to be done every day. And so it's that consistency that matters. And so this is our opportunity. We've got a lot of things that have been taken off our plate. I know there's a lot of noise in the media that's trying to capture your attention so that they can sell us ads. And of course, we want to stay up to date on the latest news to make sure that we're safe and all sorts of things. But just be careful that we control what you're consuming, where your attention goes, so you can you can direct your mental energy towards making your life better right now, get healthier 
get stronger, get fitter, um, you know, clean out your life, get rid of the things that you weren't necessarily wanting to do before. Because if we do that, I think we can all end up actually, uh, hopefully as many of us as possible can get through this next phase uh, and get out the other side and actually be in a better position than we were to begin with. And I think it's a really important thing to remember because, like, you know, one, in Christchurch, because we had the shootings last year as well, and one of the feedback we're getting in Christchurch right now is in New Zealand, Christchurch is handling this the best. And it makes nice. sense because we've gone through two massive events in the last 10 years. Um, and the thing I've learned from both of the events was my life got better from them. You know? Wow. Yeah, totally, totally. Like the earthquakes, my career got thrown upside down, but I had to problem solve through it. And um, and I came out the other side and it was actually really good for my career. Um, the shootings, which were horrific, but it, it, it actually, if anything, it showed more acceptance and openness and love for people. Um, so, you know, like while in the moment you, you, you can't see that, but trust that there is value in this time. Yeah, I think that that's important as well. I mean, horrific events such as this, then let's not minimize the people that are sick and struggling and the people that will become sick and struggling and you know, people that you know may have a, a loved one who gets sick and hopefully not lose someone uh, that, you, that you care about. Um, you know, there is going to be a lot of pain over the next little while, um, but we need to learn from this opportunity uh, or we need to learn from this situation so that we take advantage of any opportunities that might exist for us. Even if it's that, even if it's as little as just being grateful for your health. Mm. Imagine if we could all just be, um, wake up every morning and be like, you know what? All the people that I love are alive. Therefore, today is a great day. Rather than being caught up in anxiety and depression and burnout, like I bet so many people listening to this show maybe were even four or five days ago. Mm. There's an incredible power in gratitude that I think that can. I, I know can make a huge difference for all of us. Gratitude journaling is an amazing tool for us to use to get your attention directed towards the things in your life that you are grateful for, rather than thinking about the things that you maybe do not have. And it's often these crisis moments where we actually get reminded of the things that we do have rather than worrying about all of the stuff that we do not have. So there's a power in connection. There's a power in, family there's a power in your friends there's a power in your health there's a power in the ability to exercise like all of these incredible things that we can still do even if it's doing a yoga class in your tv you know in front of your tv in the living room so i think that if we all look into and explore and practice this gratitude idea and maybe even do gratitude journaling five bullet points at the end of every day written down in a paper and pen uh scenario just to bring your attention back to the things that we should be grateful for in a moment when you know many people are unfortunately and tragically losing um, some things in terms of their health. That I think that this is a, a moment when we can actually you know re reset our thinking towards uh, greater appreciation for just how lucky the vast majority of us are most of the time. Craig, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, and I, and I think what we'll do is we'll get you back on the show in like three months from now because we haven't even touched on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know like, we'll try again. We'll, we'll talk about the book some other time. Well, yeah, and, and you know, hard. I'm sure it's lots of people go to. I'm sure lots of people go to your website based on our conversation because you've been yeah. really valuable. Just anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think that you know, probably the biggest thing I've been thinking about over the last few days is. Um, there's a couple of things that really resonated with me through this point in time. Uh, this week, 
you know, we went from full on panic on Monday to, you know, now it's Friday and I'm looking at my kids and I can actually see them uh, off in the distance. They're outside. So hopefully they don't see me over here. <laughs> I'll go see them in a second. But um, I just watched them kind of settle in and relax and be resilient and love the moment no matter what, like whether they're mm-hmm. doing, you know, front rolls on mats in the living room or they're outside running around. Um, you know what? They're healthy and happy. And that's just, that's really cool. And I think we all need to just sort of bring our attention back to the stuff that we we love in our lives. The second thing that's made all the difference in the world for me is um, is training every day. So I've still been running, still been cycling, can't swim right now, which is killing me. Um, it's still cold here in Canada, so I haven't been out on the paddleboard yet, but that's coming soon. Might throw on the wetsuit and head out there tomorrow regardless. And so the training has made all the difference in terms of my mental health and getting through this and giving me something that no matter how I'm feeling when I get on the bike, when I get on the treadmill, when I run and I hammer for an hour, I come out the other side and feel absolutely spectacular. So, you know, the community that you've built, because I've been checking you, checking you out online and looking a little bit into more of what you're doing and the support that you give to people to be able to exercise and do so in a way that's healthy and strategic and making us better. And we're so appreciative of our, of our coaches. And so, you know, thanks for what you do and all the people listening, like get out there, go for a run, go for a bike ride. And uh, I can't wait to try this again in a few months and we'll talk about something other than this pandemic. But I actually think there's a lot of great takeaways. So, oh, no, this yeah, is... hope I've been a, hope I've been in a service. No, you've been you've been absolutely genuine. Just just give yourself a plug. Um, the book is called Rest, Refocus, Recharge. Yeah. Um, website. Just t- tell us about your world. Yeah, sure. Apparently, so, apparently, uh, apparently, apparently it's gone really digital lately. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Funny enough, it's available on PDF and audiobook soon. Um, so yeah, I'm an exercise physiologist. I work with Canadian Olympic team for almost 20 years. Uh, I've been writing books for about 10 years now. The first one was called Super Bodies. It was all about the science of world-class performance. Uh, second one was called The Ripple Effect, which is about eat, sleep, move, think better, just a general health book. Um, and the latest one is Rest, Refocus, Recharge, which is just all about you know, any athlete knows that when you taper, you get better. So it's sort of like tapering applied to your entire life, including your brains so that you can learn better, be more creative and to really enjoy life at the absolute limits of what we're capable of. So yeah, check it out. Uh, my website's drgregwells.com and all my social is Dr. Greg Wells. So connect with me and flip me a question. I'd love to, I will answer every single person that gets in touch with me. Oh, um, I'll definitely put a link to those in all the show notes. Um, Again, it wasn't really where we were meant to be going, but I think what you <laughs> no. offered today was really, really valuable, and I'm sure everyone listening will take some really important tips from there. And, and guys, the key to anything is application. So, you know, make sure you apply some of the lessons that Greg's taught us today. Thank you so much for your time. Go back and hang out with your kids, and I really Thanks, appreciate buddy. your time. And we'll definitely get you back on the show oh, in a few man. months from now. Sounds good. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for connecting me to your audience. I hope I've been of service, and um, thanks for all you do. Okay, John, just um, you, you haven't listened to the interview yet, but just guys... I really enjoy talking to Greg. I just think he, I love it when you get someone who knows his stuff, you know, it has great tools, great, because often you get people who have done something so they think everyone else should do it. Um, And then you get someone who's kind of researched something forever and kind of knows a deeper level. And Greg was definitely one of those people. So hopefully you guys got a lot from that and there's definitely some things to implement in your life right now. So check that out. You can go to his website, drgregwells.com. Check out his new book, Rest, Refocus and Recharge. It's on Amazon. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. John, let's have a look what's next on my list of things to do here. We have... Less than two minutes of Research Corner. And I was actually sent through from Swanee Noah. 
is. So feel free during this period of time to send through tidbits or anything that you think, especially blast in the past, that you think people might find interesting. What uh, good old Richard Swan did, he went and looked at, for whatever reason, he went back and looked at the Madeira World Championships. So a bit of a story about the Madeira World Championships. It was uh, 2004, it was pre-Olympics, and we saw Bevan Doherty winning the world title for New Zealand in a sprint finish with Ivan Rana. Bevan Doherty has got two of the most amazing finishes in the history of our sport. There's this one where he takes down Ivan I've, Rana. I've never seen this one. Oh, it's gold. Yeah, it he, he, yeah, he cracks him. And the other one, which is the best of all time, is when he does a sprint finish to come round Chris Gemmell at the New Plymouth uh, ITU World Cup. I'm pretty sure there were still World Cups in that day. So if you ever want to, if you're on a trainer right now listening to this, do a search and look up Bevan Doherty Sprint Finish New Plymouth or something like that. It'll come up. Well, it, it, that's amazing. But I've got to say, <clears throat> surely this one was better because it was for the World Championship. Well, the better result, yes, but in terms of the dra- drama, the one from New-, New Plymouth, when he's out of the money and he's got to come past a couple of guys, it's uh, it's amazing. But this one was awesome. But that wasn't actually the reason why Richard Swan sent this through. He looked at the male 20 to 24 age group for some reason, and uh, he noticed that, and this is in 2004, second place, well, we had a Kiwi win it, Sam Mallard, uh, but second place, we had Andrew Starkowitz uh, racing as an age grouper in 2004, and uh, Trenton Tollickson, which we assume is TJ Tollickson, also has been a, um, a pro athlete and one of the guys behind Diamond Bikes. So that was really interesting, They uh, and especially so that Starkey's bike wasn't that much of a weapon back then. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, found that really funny. He had a good, good, really good swim. It looks like he was not first out of the water, but he swam in 1956, uh, and then he rode a 108, and then he ran a 32.30, so the run was definitely short, uh, and he was still two and a half minutes behind our Kiwi fella. So, uh, yeah, back in 2004, Andrew Starkowitz and Trent TJ Toxon were both, uh, both racing age group. And the other point that Richard Swan made was that if we also look at 2004 from the results and the juniors, I think he was looking, was it the under 23s? Uh, let me have a pull that up quickly. Yeah, yes, in, in the under 23s, uh, Jan Fredino was in second place uh, in 2004. Rudy Wild, who we still see his name coming up around, uh, was in third place. And Daniello Supanov from Ukraine was fourth. And we also see his name popping up around. And then the last one that he said was Marinda Carfrey uh, finished 12th in the under 23s. That's a good question for you, John, because in this race, for the, the first race we looked at here, 20 to 24 male age group in this race, a Kiwi boy by the name of, or Kiwi man by the name of Samuel Mullard, Mullard uh, took it out. What happened to him? Don't know. I wasn't around that, that stage, so uh, don't know. So and the, and the, the, co- the correlation between being a good age grouper and being a pro at the ITU level is very, very low. But obviously, we see lots of pros that, that that come out of age group that race Ironman. But to make to go from age group to draft legal pro level is very, very, very rare. Okay. The next question I have for you is: Who's the best athlete that you've ever seen who kind of never went on with it? Maybe because life went in a different direction, or you know what I mean? Like when you when you see you're like a kid and you thought that kid could have been something, but 
you know, he decided not to go down the triathlon path or got injured or. Oh, God. The, the Hodges boys, were they that good? Nah, no. Hooch's boys, Hooch's? no. Uh, I haven't got a good name off the top of my head, Bevan. Sorry. I, I, I there must be some out there, but hey. Yeah. Um, going back to my, this is a bit of a walk down memory lane. Here we go. So we, we did uh, mention the 96 Worlds as well. And so, again, pulling some names out of the hat here. My my race, I raced in the juniors. Second place, Andreas Raylert. Um, fourth place, Aniko Lanos. Sixth place, Hunter Kemper. Ninth place, Dirk Bockel. No wonder I finished so bloody low down the field. <laughs> I probably wasn't. 18th place, Philip Osvalet. <laughs> 27th was me. That <laughs> uh, wasn't all bad. Good times. That was about it for me. Who would have thought you'd be saying 20 years from now I'll be talking about this race of 30, yeah, nearly 20 something years ago? Okay, John, uh, let's get in our winger of the week. This week we're going to say day two, day, what day is it? It's not really day one yet, is it? I'm going to say, I'm going to say 23. Okay, hold on a second. So if you want to join my Strava group for my 20-day, 30-day challenge, uh, get on there and look it up and you can join in. There's no closures or anything like that. Anybody can join in. Uh, let's see. From last week, I am talk. You said 23, didn't you, Bevan, from last week? Some people are doing a lot of training out there, so good on you people for getting stuck in. Not a lot of swimming action happening by anybody. Um, so 23 was... Daniel Brewster, he did not get any swimming done. Uh, he went 17 hours and 20 minutes from 13 activities. He, he biked 10 hours and 26. He ran 6 hours and 23 minutes, 6 hours and 53 minutes. Uh, and he said a, he's a trainer. He set a PR on his uh, the, uh, the Innsbruck. World Championships course on the main climb went 29.57. And yeah, so the Daniel Brewster, you are our age guru. Oh, winger of the week. Of the week. <laughs> Jumping up, I was. Uh, okay, so we've got a new patron, John. A great, great legend of the show, really. So tell me all about it. So Annette Lee has jumped on the bandwagon. She said, geez, it's about time I've, I've been a slacker and haven't been supporting you guys. So she's jumped on. and Although she has been a great supporter of the show. Great supporter of the show. Yeah. But now she's jumped on to be a patron of the show and support what we do. So I've known Annette for quite a while. Uh, she says, I'm a long time, I'm long in the tooth triathlete, for which you can blame John Newsom. He was my coach for 10 years and got me to Kona. I'm currently living in Sydney, but called Aotearoa home. So Aotearoa is our Māori name for New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I'm, she's, I'm a journalist by trade and was proud to be the producer of John's Epic Camp documentary, Going Long, Going Hard, which is which tracked the journey of a bunch of nutty triathletes from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island. So we did that in, I think it was 2011. We we triathloned the length of New Zealand. I've completed 17 Ironman races, goodness knows how many sprints, Olympics and halves, and aim to keep on competing until something drops off or I drop off. I'm currently being coached by Jan Wacklin. Um, so she's a former rote winner, former, we've had her on Legends of Triathlon. Yeah, so amazing. Lovely, lovely person. Mm. And uh, the pair of us are advocating for mature ladies, but will allow some men to join on onto their blog, 
twooldgirls.com, which I think is uh, it's it's a it's a group we don't hear a lot from the older females. We hear a lot from masters men and uh, and and see often their names up in lights. But for those girls who are in the older eight female age groups, we often they're not represented very highly in terms of coverage and, and so on. So check out twooldgirls.com with Annette Lee. And also Annette's lovely partner, Alan. He's, he's, he's also really helpful in all your camps and stuff when they come along. Uh, and just a, re- just a lovely couple, aren't they? Calm. Alan needs probably needs a nickname as well. He's a, he's a calming influence on the camp yeah. and just gets stuff done. Yeah, just, he's one of those people you just get him to do something you trust that's going to happen, eh? Mm. Yeah. So they've ca- they came on rote for for two years and they've also come over to Kona for a couple of camps over there. And um, as we said during the, the information about Annette, she's she's a been on TV and she's a journalist and she's actually um, been on TV quite a bit later. And good old Alan, he keeps posting pictures of Annette. Lately, you mean? Okay, yep, yep. Uh, posting little pictures of Annette, uh, the TV screen with Annette up in one corner and somebody famous talking at the, at the same time. So he posted one of uh, the Prime Minister of Australia and Annette was obviously analysing it or, or um, reporting on it at the same time. So we had a great nickname suggestion from good old Adam Flipper Philby and he said, uh, always on TV, Annette Lee. That's, that, which, that, that's a winner winner chicken dinner, that is. I did like that. But sometimes do you want a nickname that you can just – that you couldn't call yourself always on TV. I don't know. I, I did really, really like that. Good on Melina said uh, Happy Slug is a suggestion for a nickname. Now, one that I just plucked out, I, I went on to my nickname generator. I was trying to think of something for Annette, uh, see if I'd come up with something good. I thought I'll just have a quick look at the darts, my darts um, nickname generator for, for darts players. Lightning, which lightning. I quite liked as lightning well. Lightning, Lee. lightning Lee. Okay, that goes. I like that too. Although I, I do like always good. on TV as well. I, I really like that. So, Annette, you can use both because you've uh, been hugely helpful for us over the years. You know, you know you go that generator, John, that, that nickname generator. <laughs> well, funnily enough, turns out a lot of rap stars do as well because <laughs> t- two of the biggest rap stars in the world right now is Post Malone and Childish Gambino. Or Gambino. Childish Gambino is uh, – this is America's song and Post Malone is kind of very, very famous. Um, both of those – went to a rap generator nickname thing and that's what came, how they came up with their names. Hmm, nice. Yeah, yeah, so there you nice. go. So you, Lightning yeah. Lee. Lightning Lee. The double L. Okay, guys, if you want to be a supporter of the show, you go to www.iamtalk.me. Obviously, right now, John and I really appreciate all the support that we can get. Uh, become a patron. You go into draw to win a prize for the boys. You get a gift from the boys, and you just support getting the show out there each week. If you want to get the show emailed to you, just go to www.iamtalk.me. Down the bottom of the front page, put your information in. Each time we release a show, I'll just email that out to you. If you need some coaching, there's a great coach by the name of Coach John Newsom, and you just go to his website, coachjohnnewsom.com. You can check out my podcast, Bevan James Isles Show, at my website, bevanjamesisles.com. Other content, age group of week, cool websites, other feedback, send it through to imtalkpodcast.com. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Uh... I'm just going to go up and see the kids in a moment. I've I've given them some French toast to make for breakfast. I don't think there's going to be any left for Dad when he goes up. Um, Yeah, no, I'm just going to crack on Do you you put cinnamon and sugar on your French toast? 
generally not we just sort of go for the maple syrup um so that's uh, and i tell you what uh, i know that the rest of the world has been going through this probably a, a few weeks ahead of us going to the supermarket is pretty entertaining right now and um sad and scary uh don't particularly enjoy it but jeepers is some some interesting reactions by people so Bevan, what's going to be happening with me i'm going to keep on trucking on with my 30 day uh challenge which i'm looking forward to and we're just going to I'm just looking forward to spending a bit more time with the family and getting lots of things done that have been sitting on the back burner for a long time. You mentioned my website before, coachjohnnewsome.com. That needs an overhaul, and that's going to be one of the things that oh, I've okay. have a bit more time to work on. So looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, feeling, despite the bleak outlook financially, feeling pretty optimistic about life and uh, in quite a good space. So yeah. we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating times. What's the, what's the deal with the kids? What kind of, how are you going to set up a routine? What's the plan? Well, well, we'd be a bit directed by school. I kind of, I've seen a few posts online of people saying, "Don't give your kids any structure or anything like that. Oh, Don't really? try to teach them like taught when you're back at school and that." Our kid, we actually had a sit down last night, a bit of a family meeting, and they actually quite enjoyed planning their structure and stuff. So, um, one thing I'm going to bring in for them is just Duolingo. Parents, if there's a really great app, Duolingo. Um, they've, they've played with it a bit before, but they're going to do a bit of that every day. Duolingo, it's an app you can do on... Um, and so they're learning another language? Yeah, just tick away another language, so it's something they wouldn't do at school. And, uh, and one thing I'm going to try to do, and if anybody's got any resources for this, I'm going to put it on social media today. I want to. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Is to start learning Te Reo Maori, which is uh, our, our language. Yeah. Um, and so, if there's an app or a resource or something like that, get my head out of my ass and actually make it happen. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, but you I know what? Sure, I guarantee well, Porn will be able to help you with that because he's really good with that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, he's, mm. he's pretty kind of culturally good with that stuff. Um, yeah, it is. Ribbon, what's happening for you? Well, John, I went for a run the other day and I fell over twice. Oh. I know. I did Crater Rim. Have you run Crater Rim? Just along the yeah. rim? Yeah. And normally I kind of, once you get to a packy from out from like Kiwi side. So this is a single trail track that goes along the top of the hills. Beautiful track. Beautiful I love track. It. Uh, but it is single trail. There's quite a few rock, rocky sections. And the pass for Pecky, I've never actually done pass for Pecky on the trail. I normally run along the road there. So I thought I'd run along the trail. A bit more rocky. Fall over the first time. A few grazes. Hey, that's, that's the deal. Five minutes later, fall over again. And the second time I fall over, I'm like James Bond. I was actually quite proud of the fall because I fall over. It's like I knew that I was going to roll, roll up, keep jumping. But as I fell, my back knee smashed into my calf. Mm. Oh, my God, I've been in pain. I've been in a lot of pain, but unfortunately, there's no bruising. So mm. I'm, I'm a bit gutted because I did want the bruising. <laughs> um, what else been happening? Not much, John. It's just, mm. what are you going to do for the next month? You know, like, because it's like, not catch up with your mates, you know, not being able to train with other people. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure Joe and I will make plenty of things happen. We'll be right. We'll mm. survive. I'll see you every week. Exactly. We're setting up our garage gym this morning. I'm going to lay down some carpet. Oh, that's, that is one thing. Do you have do you have weights gear? We don't have weights gear, but we've got. Well, yeah, we we have our bikes lined up, and we're going to set up a little home gym. Because we um, I did I managed to get some weights yesterday, but um, just because I like to do, like I just want to keep like doing body pump classes. But I tell you what, we drove around four stores and there were queues of people. Cause, you know, <laughs> all the fit people in Christchurch realised they have, you know, gym people at least, realised they have no home gear. And, yeah. uh, and I was like, oh my God. And we walked around, you know, like, it was 
carnage. So yeah. it was definitely, if, if, if you're in a country that's not in lockdown yet and you know you're going to need some gear, get it now. Get it now because yeah. you're going to, on the day before everything locked down, it gets a bit cray cray out there. So yeah. anyway, guys, keep safe. You know, obviously it's a funny time. We'll keep, we keep bringing shows out each week for you guys. Um, keep safe. And, and if anything, just keep to the rules of your country. You know, mm. one thing you are hearing is people just still going out and not necessarily sticking to the rules. It's about everyone working together on this one, isn't it, John? Absolutely. Yep, Absolutely. So let's wrap it up, Jobbo. I'm Russ. I'm Udon. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Ka.